Day nine: The story of the vizier who was punished. Part three. She began to cry. God, what shall I say to the sultan? He will be so angry with me, and I know he will not believe me. Whilst she was crying, the grand vizier came in and asked if the fish were ready. She told him all that had happened, and he was much surprised. He sent at once for the fisherman, and when he came, she said to him, "Fisherman, bring me four more fish like you have brought already, for an accident has happened to them that they cannot be served up to the sultan." The fisherman did not say what the genius had told him, but he excused himself from bringing them that day, on account of the length of the day, and he promised to bring them next day. In the night, he went to the lake, cast his nets, and on drawing them in, he found four fish. He went back at once and carried them to the grand vizier, as he had promised. He then took them to the kitchen and shut himself up with the cook, who began to cook them as she had done the four others on the previous day. When she was about to turn them on the other side, the wall opened again. The damsel appeared, addressed the same words to the fish, received the same answer, and then overturned the pan, and disappeared. The grand vizier was filled with astonishment. "I shall tell the sultan all that has happened," said he, and he did so. The sultan was very much surprised, so he sent for the fisherman and asked him to procure four more fish. The fisherman asked for three days, which were granted, and he then cast his nets in the lake, and again caught four different colored fish. The sultan was delighted to see he had got them, and gave him again four hundred gold pieces. As soon as the sultan had the fish, he had them carried to his room with all that was needed to cook them. Then. He shut himself up with the grand vizier. When they were done on the one side, he turned them over on the other. Then, the wall of the room opened, but instead of the maiden, a black slave came out. He was enormously tall, and carried a large green stick with which he touched the fish, saying in a terrible voice, "Fish, fish." Are you doing your duty? To these words, the fish, lifting up their heads, and replied, "Yes, yes. If you reckon, we reckon. If you pay your debts, we pay ours. If you fly, we conquer, and we are content." The black slave overturned the pan in the middle of the room, and the fish were again turned to cinders. Then. He stepped proudly back into the wall, which closed round him. After having seen this, said the sultan, I cannot rest. These fish signify some mystery. I must clear up. He sent for the fisherman. Fisherman, he said, the fish you have brought us have caused me some anxiety. Where did you get them from? Sire, he answered, 
I got them from a lake which lies in the middle of four hills beyond yonder mountains. Do you know this lake? asked the sultan of the grand vizier. No, I have hunted many times round that mountain. I have never heard of it, said the vizier. As the fisherman said it was only three hours' journey away, the sultan ordered his whole court to mount and ride thither, and the fisherman led them. They climbed the mountain, and then, on the other side, saw the lake as the fisherman had described. The water was so clear that they could see the four kinds of fish swimming in it. They looked at them for some time, and then the sultan ordered them to make a camp by the edge of the water. When night came, the sultan called his vizier and said to him, I have resolved to clear up this mystery. I'm going out alone, and you stay here in my tent, and when my ministers come tomorrow, tell them I am not well and cannot see them. Do this each day till I return. The Grand Vizier tried to persuade the Sultan not to go, but in vain the Sultan took off his state robe and put on his sword, and when he saw all was quiet in the camp, he set forth alone. He climbed one of the hills and then crossed the great plain, till, just as the sun rose, he beheld far in front of him a large building. When he came near to it, he saw it was a splendid palace of beautiful black polished marble. Covered with steel as smooth as a mirror, he went to the gate, which stood half open, and went in. As nobody came when he knocked, he passed through a magnificent courtyard and still saw no one, though he called aloud several times. He entered large halls where the carpets were of silk, the lounges and sofas covered with tapestry from Mecca, and the hangings of the most beautiful Indian stuffs of gold and silver. Then he found himself in a splendid room, with a fountain supported by golden lions. The water out of the lions' mouths turned into diamonds and pearls, and the leaping water almost touched a most beautifully painted dome. The palace was surrounded on three sides by magnificent gardens, little lakes and woods. Birds sang in the trees, which were netted over to keep them always there. Still, the sultan saw no one, till he heard a plaintive cry. Oh, that I could die, for I am too unhappy to wish to live any longer. The sultan looked round, and at last saw a handsome young man, richly clothed, who was sitting on a throne raised slightly from the ground, his face was very sad. The sultan approached him and bowed to him. The young man bent his head very low, but did not rise. Sire, he said to the sultan, I cannot rise and do you the reverence that I'm sure be paid to your rank. Sire, answered the sultan, I am sure you have a good reason for not doing so. 
and having heard your cry of distress, I am here to offer you my help. Whose is this palace, and why is it thus empty? Instead of answering, the young man lifted up his robe, and showed the sultan that, from the waist downwards, he was a block of black marble. The sultan was horrified, and begged the young man to tell him his story. Willingly, I will tell you my sad history, said the young man.